God's people sin. Amen. Take your Bibles to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 8. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, we have some ushers in the building that uh, we have our missions booklet. If you did not receive this already over the last few Sundays, uh, they're going to come on to the front at this time. Lift your hand and they will put one of these in your hand. It gives you a little bird's eye view of how we do missions here at Calvary. And I want to make sure you get a copy of this. Uh, It's our third week of our Declare the Name mission series. All month we've been talking about missions, and all month we've been talking about how we do missions as a church. And if you'll take that missions booklet out, go ahead and pull it out, and uh, you can take notes uh, on today's sermon. uh, On page 11 is a specific page for you to take notes this morning. Hopefully you've been having a chance to do that over the last couple Sundays. Appreciate it. Uh, Pastor Jackson bringing the message uh, from God's Word yes, uh, last Sunday as I was preaching for a pastor friend of mine, and uh, I was noticing similarities between our church and uh, uh, Pastor Tommy Hart's Church United Church over in Apex on Sunday as the service was beginning. He looked at me and he was like, it's just me and you and a, a few others. And uh, it was like almost a complete ghost town. And then uh, during the first two songs, the church arrived for church. So uh, I'm glad today it was a little bit better than that here. But uh, it was funny to see how uh, everybody just shows up after church is underway. Don't miss the beginning part of church. In fact, uh, I think those, those 20, 30 minutes before church is vital to building community and building relationships, and uh, I'd encourage you to be early the church, stay a little bit later, and uh, to make time for relationships. Uh, on chapter on page three of your book, you'll see a list of some of the uh, global missionaries that we support and agencies. Uh, this is in addition to local agencies that we partner with uh, throughout the year with service opportunities and special offerings. So when you give to missions. It goes outside of the walls of this church, and you have the opportunity to declare the name of Christ globally to the nations. You and I are laborers that God has chosen in this very hour, in the church age, to reach our world for Christ. And we are the instruments or the vessels that he chooses to communicate the gospel, his love, his grace, and his mercy to the world. So we have the privilege as a church to help declare the name of Jesus locally and, labor, and, and globally from our neighbors, the neighborhoods around us, uh, and also to the nations. What a joy it is to be a part of a church that is making disciples, that is declaring the name of Jesus. As we go about that work, we think about it in terms of two different fields of labor. The local field is which we the, the place that you and I live, the place we call home, the triangle, and it's a place that we have no amount of money will harvest this field. It's the local field that God has placed us in, and he's called us to be a witness right here at home. And so when you and I have an opportunity to roll up our sleeves and do the work of the ministry, that's what it's all about. This week, our kids' ministry uh, on Monday went to serve at a ministry called Crossing All Borders uh, down in Anger, and they had a chance to, to love on them and share the good news of Jesus Christ our kids ministry is also geared up to serve on November 4th. This is Kids Mission Day uh, with Baptist on Mission. This is grades 1 through 6. And if you have a child in that, uh, in that age range, we would love to encourage them to participate. You can register on the app. Uh, we have opportunities for teenagers through adults, men and women, uh, November 3rd through 5th, uh, to be involved with Baptist on Mission 
uh, down in Newburn, North Carolina, helping with disaster relief. And uh, you do not have to have any prior skill to be able to serve in this particular ministry. I uh, went on a um, building mission team a number of years ago. And uh, I'll be honest with you, I don't know how I got on that team because I'm not very building inclined. My wife will tell you that I'm not the most handy person. Uh, she said that she smiles and dials whenever she needs something done around the house because I don't have the, the best skill set and it might take a while and look like uh, I did it. So uh, uh, she usually uses other help. But uh, the amazing thing is in going on one of those teams that doesn't require that you're a carpenter. Jason, I've hired him before to do work on my house. Uh, but sometimes it's just uh, having a willing heart of saying, I can, I can pass materials up, I can, I can count, we need four two-by-fours up on the roof, let's go, and uh, we need to bring these shingles up the roof, we need to uh, carry this supplies or, or be the water boy and carry the water to the, the people who are doing the work on the roof, but the reality is, is God gives us opportunities to do those things. So November 3rd through 5th, if you're interested in serving uh, I would love for you to sign up and be a part of that mission team serving in Newburn and mother, many other opportunities will come up. The blessing box that is right outside of our church on the front, uh, when that was put in place about three years ago, four years ago, uh, people didn't know it was there and really it hardly ever got used. And many times it would come and empty that box after a month because... The, the food had gone bad or had expired or it had gotten too hot or, or maybe too cold. And, and now you can fill it up on Monday morning and by Monday evening it's completely empty because people are using it. People have discovered it. People need the things that are in there from anything from hygiene items, food, uh, non-perishable food items, baby items. Uh, can be put in that thing and really every time you come to church if you bring your kids on youth to youth group or you come to a life group during the week bring a few if you have a few extra water bottles or or some of the items that we collect for that uh, take them and stop and put that in there it is a blessing just to see how God is using that to encourage our community globally uh, you have this operation Christmas child shoe boxes as you exit the building this morning right there on, on your right as you're going out Grab one or two or three, or sometimes we, we always try to do at least one for each of the kids in our family, because it's teaching them how to give back, teaching them how that life is not about us, and we have an opportunity to give and, and be a blessing to someone else. And so we'd encourage you to take one of those, those opportunities to be a blessing. You can also go on December 8th the 9th. If you register through our church, you can go to Charlotte to the processing center for Operation Christmas Child and have an opportunity to serve alongside of uh, your church family. I think there's 30, 40, 50 spots. I think one day, Saturday, there's like 50 spots where you can register and go and uh, be a part of packing those shoe boxes on pallets and shipping them around the world. And uh, you get to hear testimonies of people whose lives have been forever changed by that is people who received a shoebox as a child will be in the processing center up on the stage and giving testimony and you get that camaraderie of being on a team that is making a difference and using their gifts for the Lord. Uh, we have an opportunity to go to Romania next summer uh, on July 21st through the 29th on an adult mission trip. We have a, a teen and college age mission trip going to Nicaragua next August. And we also have opportunities through our weekly Faith Promise Missions Giving. There's a card within your booklet you can pull out. And it's an opportunity that you can have an impact 
uh, globally uh, right here at home. And we can have an impact in reaching the gospel or reaching the nations with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Each one of these are fields of labor that many of us can't devote our entire life to to be there. We can't all be in Nicaragua. We can't all be in India. We can't all be in Romania. But every one of us can have an impact on the nations through giving, through allowing the Holy Spirit of God to use us. There are fields that God has placed servants like Elijah and Claudia Morar in the country of Romania. Uh, next Sunday, we'll welcome them uh, into our church uh, family, and, and they'll be here on stage sharing the good news of the gospel and what God is doing in that part of the world in Eastern Europe. And sometimes you think about, man, that's such a beautiful country, and it is. But folks, they're dealing with the harsh realities of war. Is literally thousands, hundreds of thousands of, of uh, Ukrainian refugees have come across the border into the country of Romania. They, they share a common border with Ukraine, and, and they are served, they're suffering. They're searching for peace. They're looking for contentment. They're, 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 they're facing great heartache and pain. And so we're watching as those refugees are coming across the border. Pastor Elijah and Claudia have the privilege of loving on them and leading them to a relationship with Jesus Christ. And uh, they planted a church uh, right before the pandemic started. Uh, our, our team that was there in August had an opportunity to do their first vacation Bible school. And we saw... Uh, Romanian kids come to faith in Christ. We saw Ukrainian kids uh, give their heart and life to Jesus Christ. And you as a church, in your giving uh, monthly to support them, have had a part in reaching the lost there in Ukraine. We also have Mark and Donna Wiffen. Uh, they're serving in Mexico City. Uh, they've been there since 2000, and they are planning to be here uh, later this fall and being able to share what God is using them to accomplish. They've planted a church several years ago. They are in uh, college ministry. They work with college students uh, on, uh, on several college campuses in Mexico City. God has given them a, a privilege and an honor to serve him. I believe their son and his wife live in uh, Apex, actually right down the road off 1010. And uh, we're going to get a chance to hear from them firsthand what God is doing in Mexico City and how he's using them. So through, though we cannot work in all these mission fields uh, ourselves, God give us uh, the privilege to partner with men and women around the world and sharing the good news of the gospel through faith promise giving. Our mission as a church is together, we lead and create disciples of Jesus. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 14, it says, this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. The gospel of the kingdom is about the kingdom of God. It's about the reign of God. It's about the triumph of King Jesus over sin and death and judgment and Satan. And folks, it's good news, not just that, the, that we reign as kings, but he says God reigns as King of kings and Lord of lords. So the aim of preaching the gospel of the kingdom is that the nations might come to know Jesus, that they might come to worship Jesus and, and know him intimately. Over and over throughout the word of God, it declares that God, that God does what he does so that his name might be proclaimed across the earth. The central theme of missions is summed up in Isaiah 12, 4. It says, make known his deeds among the peoples. Proclaim that his name is exalted. Church, 
What an awesome privilege to be alive in 2023 and know that God has uniquely equipped us. He's uniquely called us to be the mouthpiece, the, the vessel on which he carries the gospel message to the nations and from our neighbors to the nations. Mark it down. You don't ever forget. God is passionately committed to his fame. His highest priority is that he might be known and admired and trusted infinitely as a glorious king. Why do we join together? Why do we support missionaries like on page three in our book? Why do we send mission teams out uh, to the nations? Why do we go to Nicaragua this summer and, and share the good news of the gospel? So that those people will know the name of Jesus. I want to submit to you today that it's a great privilege that we get to declare the name and to support missionaries who are also carrying that message around the world. And as we support them, we're making an investment in the kingdom of God. As, as Jesus said in Matthew, he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things will be added unto you. In other words, he's saying we ought to be de declaring his name, laying up treasures in heaven, as the word of God tells us, and encouraging us. This morning, we're going to be reading in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. As we look at a, a group of churches who understood what supporting missions looked like. They understood what it meant to have a relationship with people on the ground in other parts of the world. And they're, they're giving sacrificially that the gospel of Jesus Christ might go forward. So we look at the, the people of Macedonia in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. I want us to look at four things that, that God began to do in, the, in their hearts is they understood that the harvest was ready. The harvest, the time of harvest was now. And folks, it doesn't have anything to do with the amount of money in our wallets or in our bank account. It has everything to do with the condition of our heart and how God wants to work in and through us. I invite you to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8, beginning in verse 1. He says, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy, their extreme poverty have overflowed into a wealth of generosity on their part. It's almost like an oxymoron. Here's uh, uh, people that are desperate. They, they've gone through war. They've gone through famine. They've gone through all of this adversity. They have very little resource-wise. And yet God is saying they've been so faithful in giving to missions. He says... Uh, the abundance of joy in their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. He says, for they gave according to their means, as I could testify, and beyond their means, of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he had started, so he should... Complete among you this act of grace, but as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, in our love for you, see that you excel in this act also. Church, let's go to our Lord in prayer and just ask for his blessings on our time of worship. Father, would you speak to our hearts? God, I pray that we would set aside football games, we would set aside the state fair, God, we would set aside what's happening uh, around the world. And God, for the next few moments, 
just focus our attention on your word and your ability to transform our lives. God, help us each to see what it is that you want us to do to support global missions. God, what, how can we each have a part in the process of making disciples and declaring your name uh, to our neighbors and to, to the nations? God, do a mighty work in our hearts this morning. Lord, if there's someone here today who's never placed their faith and trust in you for salvation, may they get that matter of their salvation settled today once and for all. We give you all the honor, all the glory, all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's look what this grace of giving looks like. Paul is challenging the church at Corinth. He's sharing an example of, of people who truly get it, people who understand what the grace of giving looks like. And he says they had a generous heart. These people in Macedonia, the Macedonian believers suffered from great poverty. These Christians were already in financial straits due to the persecution, exclusion, series of earthquakes, of crop failures, and it just placed them into a place of deep poverty. However, in spite of their poverty, they willingly collected offerings to send to other churches that they might reach more people with the gospel. They might plant churches in cities all over Europe and Asia to plant the truth of the gospel in these communities. In verse 2, we see their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. You realize that the people who are the biggest givers are not necessarily the most well-to-do, the most influential as far as finances go. It's the everyday average person that God gets a hold of their heart and they're like, man, I want to be a part of making disciples in India. I want to be a part of reaching Romania and the Ukrainian refugees with the gospel. I want to make an impact in India and, 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 and Mexico. I want to make a difference in Canada. I want to have an opportunity. As you look around and see these flags around our, our building this morning, I want to have an impact globally. I want to make a difference uh, where I may not be able to physically travel, but I can have a part in making disciples in those nations. And Paul was so moved by their love and their willing hearts, he taught every church that he formed, he says, I want you to look at the churches of Macedonia. They set the standard for giving. They, set, they had a generous heart there and a willing heart to, to share the good news of the gospel. And he's admonishing the church at Corinth. He says, you were the first church to promise your offerings. But somewhere along the way, they got their eyes off the Lord. They got them focused on themselves. And they fell, they fall, they fell short. He's saying, you promised, but you didn't deliver. You ever tell your kids you're going to do something if they, you get good grades? Anybody ever played this game before? You get good grades this semester and I'm going to reward you and I'm going to give you a certain thing. And, and all of a sudden, boy, they've been killing it, knocking it out of the park and they get those grades and you're like, all right, mom, dad, it's time to settle up. It's time to pay. It's time to fulfill that promise that you did. You know, and there's nothing wrong with setting goals and, and having uh, uh, rewards along the way. But what he's saying was the churches uh, uh, of Corinth had said, hey, we want to support missions. We're going to commit to supporting the work of, uh, of missionaries. And yet when it came time to actually pay out and, and support them, somehow they, they lost sight of the vision. They lost sight of what God wanted them to do in reaching the, those with the, that had never heard. The three churches Paul is referencing here 
for their giving in Macedonia were the churches, church at Philippi, the church at Thessalonica, the church at Berea. These churches set a standard for which all the rest of us, even all these years later, are looking at them as an example of this is a church who understood what giving was, what generosity looked like, and, and their deep poverty did not hold them back because they were generous people. They had generous hearts in the Old Testament. Uh, Moses is preparing the people to build the tabernacle of God. When it came time to finance the work, God could have easily said, hey, each family needs to pay this dollar amount, but that's not how Moses did it. He says, listen to what he instructed in Exodus 35. He says, take from among you a contribution to the Lord. Whoever is of a generous heart, let him bring the Lord's contribution, gold, silver, and bronze. The very next chapter of Exodus, he says in verse 3, he says, They received from Moses all the contribution that the people of Israel had brought for doing the work of the sanctuary. They still kept bringing uh, free will offerings every morning. And he says that all the craftsmen who were doing every sort of task on the sanctuary came, each from the task that he was doing. And said to Moses, he says, the people bring much more than enough to do the work that the Lord has commanded us to do. So he goes on, he says, Moses gave command and the word was proclaimed throughout the camp. Let no man or woman do anything more for the contribution for the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing. For the material they had was sufficient to do all the work and more. Imagine what would happen in the church today if when we were collecting the tithes and offerings, we were collecting the money for missions, we had to say that the trustee, the chairman of the trustees would have to come up and say, church, we are so thankful for how you've given sacrificially and you've been so generous to a fault almost, we don't even know what to do with all of the money that's been donated to the church. We have not enough room to take care of it. We have enough to build the buildings and the parking lots and the expansions that we need to do. We've supported missions around the world and we're just asking you, would you hold on a minute and let us catch up. Let us get everything uh, allocated out. And that's what was happening in the church and the Old Testament, he's saying, Ultimately, they gave so much money, they had to, Moses had to ask them to stop bringing money. The people were restrained from bringing for the material that they needed. They had all of the money and more. These are people who had just fled Egyptian bondage. And they were so overwhelmed with God's goodness, they could not help themselves. They were generous donors. Oh, that that would be the place in the New Testament church, where we were so excited about what God is doing that we gave such sacrificial offerings, such generous offerings, that we had to say, hold on, church. Pause for a few moments. In fact, let's take a few weeks off. I mean, can you imagine, David, uh, imagine a church pastor being up saying, you're going to have to stop for a minute because we do not have enough room to manage all of the funds that have come in to the local church. They had a generous heart. Do you realize that God can do far more with the dollar and a generous heart than he can give, do with $100 and a grudge? <laughs> Think about it. God can do far more with the dollar bill, with a generous heart, a heart of compassion, a heart for reaching the lost, 
than $100 given grudgingly to God. Now, folks, the reality is, is God doesn't need us, but he's willing to use us. He's willing to use the things that he's given us as we are moved by the Holy Spirit of God. In other words, of Peter Drucker, he said, what you have to do and the way that you have to do it is incredibly simple. He says, whether you're willing to do it, now that's another matter. I wonder this morning, would we be characterized as generous? Would we be characterized as having a generous heart when God looks down on his church and I'm talking about the local church here at Calvary. Does he see people who are generous? They're giving of themselves. Do we see, a, secondly, a, a sacrificial spirit? In verse 3, not only must we have a generous heart, Paul says, he says, we almost, also must have a willingness to sacrifice to get the gospel message to the ends of the earth. In spite of their severe test of affliction, the word of God says the abundance of joy and their extreme poverty overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. In other words, he said it was such a joy that even though they had so little, they were overcome with joy at the opportunity, the privilege to give back to God. And church, that's what a sacrificial spirit looks like. One who's saying, it's not about how much I have, it's how much I'm going to Give how much the, I have the privilege of giving back, and so he says their their joy, their generosity abounded, their deep poverty abounded, and it burst forth in rich generosity. Even though they they appeared to have nothing to offer, these believers were some of the best givers on record. In fact, Paul would use them as an example as he would travel from city to city to country to country. He says, let me encourage you, if you could follow the example that the churches of Macedonia set, he said, they understand the grace of giving. They know what generosity, they know what uh, being generous looks like. They know what sacrificing looks like. But then Paul takes it a step further. He says, beyond their means of their own accord, not only were they generous in heart, he says they gave sacrificially above their means. They gave of their own accord. And he says they were willing to sacrifice to make sure that others would hear the gospel in their own language. I'll be honest, when I see Pastor Elijah and those of you that got a chance to go to Romania back in August, every single person on that mission team there was a, a sense of, wow, when you see what God is doing and you see how much they're giving and sacrificing and, and they're like, man, the, the amount of work that they're putting in and, and folks, we, it feels so small, we feel so insignificant when we look at the bigger picture of what God is doing. The lives that are being transformed as we begin to hear story after story of, of Ukrainian refugees that came across the border. And, and you see it on the news and it's easy to block that out as a million miles away. Do we do that sometimes, church? I mean, we, we, we get there and we're like, man, that's, that happens over in, in Europe. That's in, that's in Russia. That's in another part of the world. But folks, Jesus Christ died for the sins of those in, in war-torn Ukraine. 
He died for the sins of those in Russia. He died for the sins of those in India. He died for the sins of those in China. And he's given us an opportunity to support the work of missions because of their generous hearts, their sacrificial spirit. The gospel didn't stay local. It began to spread around the world. I wonder this morning, ask yourself, am I willing to sacrifice in order that people around the world might hear the gospel in their own language. Say, well, Pastor, I make pretty good money. I'm doing okay for myself. Are you willing to say, you know what? I'll forego a Starbucks this week so that someone in Romania can hear the gospel. I'll, I'll not order DoorDash one day this week. I'll, I'll, I'll go inside and get my own groceries instead of having them delivered to me. Uh, I will uh, not order some on Amazon Prime this week, and instead, I'll give that money to missions. That's what we're talking about when it starts to infringe on our lifestyle. That's when generosity, when sacrificial giving meets where the rubber meets the road. And it starts saying, hey, I'm going to do my part in reaching the lost with the gospel. When's the last time we sacrificed to declare the name of Jesus around the world because it's nice to see it on a banner pla placed on the wall in the church lobby but it it costs when it costs us something when it when we begin to sacrifice that's when we begin to see the nations of the world that are dying without Jesus Christ when we start giving financially sacrificially what happens is we start saying I'm going to take a, a back seat so that others around the world can hear that Jesus Christ loves them. There's another way he says there's the, the church of Macedonia, the churches of Macedonia saw it as a privilege to give. Look what the Macedonian churches did here. They begged for the opportunity. They said, hey, would you make it possible that we can be involved in supporting the work of missions around the world. They sought to meet the needs of the gospel so that other churches could be birthed. They could preach the gospel to the nations of the earth. Paul said he didn't beg them to give. Instead, they begged him. Can we have part? Can we participate in what God is doing in reaching the nations? The word favor in verse 4 of our text is translated grace. They literally begged for the blessing of being able to bestow grace and show love, show the gospel to people around the world. They begged for the opportunity, not so out of obligation, but out of the generosity of their transformed hearts. You see, what happens is when a person gets saved and truly understands what Jesus Christ has done on the cross... Church, we can't be silent. The, 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 um, the Sunday school song we sang, hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. That's what we're supposed to do. He's saying we have a privilege and an opportunity to give. And, and we, they saw, the church of the Master only saw it as a privilege to give to missions. But we see fourthly and lastly, it's a move of faith. What would move a people... Who have nothing to give something so generously. What would move the hearts of the Macedonian people? Church, that is faith. Faith in what God is doing. 
and getting the, the gospel to the masses. Faith in a God who has promised to meet all of their needs. The Macedonian believers had that kind of faith. Yet the church at Corinth, who had the resources, the, the means to give, are not doing it. Isn't it amazing how I always say the people who live the closest to church are the latest to church. <laughs> and the ones that can get there, they can practically walk, uh, usually are late because they're, you know, the ones that could give don't. And the ones that hardly have enough to get by are the most sacrificial. Look in the, the classroom. In, in every school, the, the, the teachers that often make the least amount of money are the ones who sacrifice the most. And they're giving, boy, they're, there's a, a project they need, and the school says, we don't have any resources. You know what the teacher does? They go to the store anyway. They buy the store, the stuff. They buy some supplies. Why? Because they want to make sure that that kid on the back row that may not have anyone else to show them that they're loved, that they're cared for, they want to make sure that they don't go without. They want to make sure that their needs are met, that they understand the concept of what they're teaching. Folks, it's the same way in the church. Those who have the least often give the most because they understand the needs of the world are so great. We are to give of ourselves. Macedonian believers had that kind of faith. Paul challenged the churches of Corinth. He says, you excel in everything. He says, let me challenge you to excel in faith. This is what faith promise giving is all about. In fact, over just a couple chapters in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, look at verse 9. It says, I do not want to appear to be frightening you with my letters. Paul is, is writing. He says, for they say his letters are weighty and strong, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech of no account. He says, let such a person understand that we what we say by letter when absent, we do when present. Not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are committing themselves. But when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are without misunderstanding, without understanding. He says, but we will not boast beyond limits, but will boast only with regard to the area of influence God assigned to us to reach even to you. For we are not overextending ourselves as though we did not reach you. For we were the first to come all the way to you with the gospel of Christ. We do not boast beyond limit in the labors of others, but our hope is that as your faith increases, our area of influence among you may be greatly enlarged so that we may preach the gospel in lands beyond you without boasting of work already done in another's area of influence. You see what happens is during Mrs. Month, when we hear testimonies, when we hear Pastor Elijah preach next Sunday from the pulpit, you're going to get to see firsthand how God is using the faithful people in this church to give, to, to, to impact the nations with the gospel. You get to hear firsthand testimonies, firsthand accounts of what God is doing. Justin was with us in Romania just a few weeks ago. And, and I remember one night listening to you just share what God, he was like, it's just overwhelming to see the, the opportunity that's here and what God is doing and see firsthand how God is transforming lives. See, that's why we're so big on getting boots on the ground. Because it's not just praying, it's not just giving, that's part of it, that's two parts of it, but it's also going so firsthand we get to see the move of God, see what he's transforming lives 
around the, 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 the nations of the earth. He gives us an opportunity to see it firsthand. That's what it's all about. And so in verse 15, he says, as your faith increases, our area of influence among you may be greatly enlarged so that we might preach the gospel in lands beyond you. I love that. The more that we get to give and the more that God speaks to our hearts about supporting the work of missions, we get to declare the name of Jesus and lands far beyond what we ever imagined. Because when we started supporting Pastor Elijah in 2016, there wasn't a war going on in Ukraine. That was a whole different, in fact, we have the Ukrainian flag on the wall and we're praying for the people of Ukraine. But what happens is now, as you go and you, you see where the money's going, it's going far beyond the, the country of Romania. It's going far beyond Eastern Europe. It's reaching other parts of the world that need to know the love of Jesus. That's what it's all about. Paul and his companions were waiting to declare the name in other places. What were they waiting on? They were waiting for people to grow in the faith of giving, the grace of giving, so that they could financially travel to other countries to preach the gospel. God forbid any of his work be put on hold because we lack the faith to give generously to support the work of God. God forbid that we have to put on hold what God is calling the church to do to make an impact with the glorious gospel. The interesting thing about faith, though, the only way you grow in your faith is to move forward. The only way you grow in your faith is to move forward because you, as you move forward and take new ground, God begins to prove his faithfulness over and over. But there's got to be resistance. Michael's a, a trainer at the gym, and, and when he goes into the gym and you're working with a client, you're not sitting there to say, well, you know what, why don't we just have coffee today and eat a couple donuts and we'll talk about what we want to do. You know, and the next week they show back up and he's like, you know, actually, that coffee we had last week, I've got even better coffee this week. And the donuts we had last week, I mean, the ones that I brought today are even better. And let's just kind of chill on these oversized couches in the, in the lobby. I was listening to a comedian talk about uh, some of these gyms that are around the country. And he says, uh, they offer pizza on Fridays. And they have Bagel Monday. And he says, you know, what in the world? I mean, only in America could this happen. But he was talking about how some of these, these gyms work. But folks, you have to have resistance. So every day, you're bringing your body to that, to that breaking point almost, and you're, you're, you're putting on the extra weights as, as time allows. You're getting stronger. You're, you're taking risks you're, you're to, to grow, to be stronger, to be able to do more, to be able to grow. An athlete grows through resistance. The same thing happens in giving to missions. We must test the Lord and allow Him to work through us to reach not only the places that we're already sending missionaries, but have a greater impact far beyond the walls of this church to impact the nations with the gospel. So Paul tells each of us in verse 7 here of, of 2 Corinthians chapter 8, he says, But as you excel in everything, he says, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. He's saying that the, the act of giving to faith promise missions is a privilege 
for the child of God. He should see that you increase in this. I earnestly believe your desire is to abound in the grace of giving to the work of the Lord. Offer yourselves to him today. Say, Pastor, what's the, what's the application? Faith Promise Missions giving is giving an amount over and above our regular tithes and offerings. Because if we can't keep the lights on, if we can't pay the mortgage, if we can't support the, the ministries of, of the local church, will be of no effect uh, globally and around the world. So it's over and above that. It's saying, I, as I support the work of, of the local church, I get Faith Promise Missions is over and above that. Every dollar given uh, uh, to Faith Promise Missions goes around the world to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you this morning, take that booklet out real quick that you have in your hand. On the inside is that Faith Promise Commitment Card, and this, this is between you and the Lord. It has nothing to do with anyone else. If you're married, it's between you and your spouse and the Lord, and there's no place to write your name on the card. In fact, we don't want to know whose it is, but in order to be able to know what the opportunities are this year to support missions over the next 12 months. We need to know what is our church going to give sacrificially to the worldwide effort of evangelizing the nations of the world. What are we going to do? How are we going to impact Romania, Mexico? How are we going to how are we going to make an impact in Guyana, South America, and Brazil? How are we going to reach the nations of the world? How are we going to make an impact in the land down under in Australia? How are we going to reach those who have never heard the gospel? It's going to be through the faithfulness of God's people right here at Calvary saying, I'll forgo Starbucks this week. It's okay. Back to as Dave Ramsey used to call it, five bucks, it's now six bucks, thanks to inflation. I I'll make my own coffee at home, and maybe I won't do DoorDash this week, and I'll take that $25 and give it to missions. I don't need another thing to sit around the house. Maybe I'll forgo ordering that thing on Amazon Prime, even though it's, you know, it's a good deal, Pastor David, and... I can have it here within the hour. I mean, what did we ever do without instant gratification? But what if we said, instead I'm going to give that $40 to missions so that as a church, we can make a greater impact on the nations. If God is God to speak into your heart, what does a generous heart look like? What does a sacrificial spirit look like? What does a move of faith look like for the church of Jesus Christ? Because you see, God has blessed us abundantly. When I think of Ephesians 3.20, that's how I see my life. Exceeding abundant above all that I can imagine. Because God has been so faithful. And church, we have a, an opportunity here. Not to just continue on in the status quo, but God wants us to give sacrificially. Our, our goal for the next 12 months is $40,000 to give to missions. 
How are we going to accomplish that? And this is over and above everything we're doing locally. This is all dollars going outside of the country of the United States to support worldwide missions endeavors, to declare the name of Jesus around the world. I want you to take that card. I want you, I want you to be looking at it. I want you to be thinking about it. And in a few moments, we're going to have a word of prayer. And we're going to give you an opportunity this morning to make a Faith Promise commissions, uh, commission, uh, commitment to missions. What does God want to do through my family in this church to reach the nations over the next moment? God speaks to your heart, I want you to write that down on the, on the card. In a few moments, they're going to come. They have, they're going to collect them. We'll pass them. You can fold them in half. You can pass them to the center out. Nobody's going to collect. No one's going to call you. No one's going to have a reminder on your phone that, that texts you every month and say, <clears throat> didn't give your missions amount. No, that's between you and the Lord. But what it does is it allows us as a church to see what can we do? How much can we support in mission endeavors over the next 12 months to make a greater impact on the nations? Every month, we are asked to participate in more mission opportunities. That as a church, we have to say, you know what? We're maxed out. We can't do any more because everything that's been given is, is already committed to mission efforts. What happens is if God's people gets that generosity, that sacrificial spirit, God begins to do such a work in our hearts. We don't have to. We get to. Let's pray, church, and let's pray that God would speak to hearts right now. Holy Spirit, would you speak to our hearts?